what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. I'm just leave it up there. You couldn't make that if you tried that again. Absolutely not. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore, and I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by NBA futures analyst Brandon Anderson. This is the big picture. Every week, we take a look at the big pictures in the NBA. What's going on with the big stories, the storylines, results, the news, all of that, and try and give you the most actionable information as possible. A reminder that everything we talk about can be found in the Action Network app. It's the best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in, as well as get all sorts of great information like Raheem Palmer's picks, which you can follow in the app as well, as well as Brandon's nonstop series of long shots. On today's show, we're going to talk about a number of things as we always do on the show, but the big topic is going to be the West and the battle for the two through six seeds in the Western Conference. We'll get to that, but first, time for tip-off. In tip-off segment, we always talk about whatever has gone on most recently, especially on this Monday episode. We're recording on Monday for the Tuesday show. We'll talk about what went on over the weekend. And let's start, Brandon, with those Boston Celtics. who get the 126-120 win over the Nets on Sunday. Uh, P.S., the Sundays have felt more like they did when I was a kid le- recently, where you had these awesome double headers on NBA on NBC. It's felt way like you have the double header then, and then you have the nightcap. It's felt like it's a whole day of basketball. It's been really great. They're all marquee games. We've had guys mostly healthy. Uh, so that's been really big. Kevin Durant goes for 37 points, six rebounds, eight assists. And it is not enough as the Boston Celtics get the win behind 54 from Jason Tatum, along with five rebounds and three assists. Tatum was spectacular. Their defense got the stops. Kyrie Irving was not enough. A big game from Bruce Brown did not help. So let's start here, Brandon. Are the Boston Celtics primed for a run through the Eastern Conference? I think they're primed for a run at it. I don't know about, about a run through all the way, but you know they've won 14 of 16 games. We like them going into the All-Star break. We, we wondered, we talked about, are we buying high? Like, is this already where they're peaked? And I think it's clear at this point that, that we were not buying high, that the, this is a team that's as good as anyone in the East right now. They're leading in a lot of those advanced metrics, net ratings, SRS, some of that stuff. At 538, they've been the favorite, not just to come out of the East, the, the championship favorite for several weeks already, uh, which, you know, is, is a reflection it really is. of some of those. It, it's a reflection of those same stats that we're talking about. It's You get a little bit circular if you focus too much on it, but they're fourth in that rating overall tops in the East. They're fourth in SRS tops in the East. And it's not just, well, okay, but the East isn't very good they're pretty close to, to the Warriors and the Jazz, who are second and third. They're actually closer to those teams than anyone outside the top five. They're closer to the Suns at number one than they are to the Bucks, the Nuggets, the Sixers, the Bulls. Like the, This is a really good team, and they are mostly peaking at the right time. You know, it'd be better like a month from now, but Udoka has the defense playing well. It comes back to the offense, though. You know, when Tatum scores 54, they're going to look really good. When Tatum is hitting all of those shots, how do you like the offense? Uh, obviously, with Derek White there, more of a connector, we've been worried about them. We've talked about it. Do you feel like the offense has improved enough for you to trust them in a playoff setting through mm-hmm. three or four rounds? Yeah, that's a good question. So since January 1st, the Celtics are up to eighth in half-court offense. We go since the trade 
for Derek White, and we look at look back all the way to the trade deadline, um, Boston ranks first in half court offense. So not surprising given they've been they've played absolutely spectacular basketball. They weren't as good early to start the season. You cannot care about that if you want to. It, I will say, like, there's always been some indications that who you are early in the season can sometimes rear its ugly head. Here's another thing to keep in mind. I looked at on playing the glass how Boston has performed versus the top 10 teams in point differential this season. Uh, they are 10 and 8 in wins and losses. They have the uh, second best record on in those games behind the Phoenix Suns, uh, who are 12 and seven. They have the best point differential, which is a little bit stilted by that Sixers game where they just like obliterated them in, in every aspect. The 40 point win yeah. that kind of influences some of that. Um, they're actually behind where they should be. Like their expected wins versus the top teams, they're expected to be closer uh, to 12 and six rather than 10 and, and eight, mm-hmm. which would be the best record in the NBA versus those top 10 teams. They're fourth in offense in those, in those games with 112.5 offensive rating and a 107.3 defensive rating, which is first in the league. Like there's nothing on the statistical profile that can get us away from Boston. Um, There are some key questions in terms of their defense, I think is, is really good. I think obviously it's the best in the league. Uh, but I mean more from the perspective of they're not like dependent on drop the way that the Sixers are like the Sixers have to drop MB. Um, the Celtics switch everything. That's their base scheme is they just want to switch everything and make you play, make you beat them one-on-one. And I think that it's hard to find a weak link in their, in their roster, right? Like who are you going to target in these situations? You can't target Al Horford. You can't target Jason Tatum. You can't target Jalen Brown. You can't target Derek white. You can't target Marcus smart. I think Robert Williams is an interesting one just from the perspective of if they go against a Kyrie Irving, is Kyrie going to get the switch and then maybe be able to beat Williams? Like that's an interesting question, but that assumes that the Nets can get enough stops, which as you know, I'm going to say that they probably can't. Um, this is, I think one of the, I, the ideal advantages, honestly, in the Eastern conference is if you look at how teams are built, there aren't a lot of switch punishing guards. So Philly has hardened. And that's a concern, I think, right? But they have the Celtics have the best way to match up with Embiid of probably any team in the Eastern Conference with Horford. He's just been such a problem for Embiid. Brooklyn's got those guys, but can they match up on the other end of the floor? That's an issue. You look at Milwaukee. Are you worried about Drew Holiday hunting mismatches? Probably not, especially not versus these guys. So I think Milwaukee's a tough one because they don't have that big athletic guy to kind of counter Giannis. I think that becomes an issue. Like, do I trust Robert Williams to slow down Giannis? No, I do not. So that becomes, I think, kind of an issue, but not any more than Milwaukee has concerns with other things, including the switch, which is proven to be sort of an issue. Boston's definitely live. I have a hard time figuring out to what degree. And I still kind of, I, I have this thing in the back of my head where I'm just like, are they really going to play this well for the duration? And that's kind of what I'm looking for is I want to see consistency. And the Celtics have been red hot for, you know, two and a half months now, which is awesome. There's still something about it where I just kind of wind up being like, I'm a little worried that the offense is going to sputter. And we've seen it get struggle against very specific teams like the Raptors. Yeah, I think there, there's a sentiment. Can they play this hot? Yeah, we've we've just watched it for the last two months. But it does feel like they're playing at their peak 
while it's very clear that many, most of the other contenders are not playing at their peak. So then you need both sides of that to keep happening for the Celtics to go all the way. You need them to keep hitting on every cylinder like they are right now, which they can, but you need them to do it for three more months. And you need the Bucks and the Sixers and like a bunch of these other teams whose ceilings at their best are higher than what appears to be the Celtics. The Celtics peak is very good right now, but it's asking a lot to do that for three more months. I mean, look, here's here's the question. Can Tatum be the best player in the East for two and a half months? Like that's, that's your question. If you think yes, then you need to bet them because they have the defense, they have the scheme, they have the coaching. Their, their roster is good enough. If you don't, that may wind up being why you go in a different direction. Yeah, I think it, it's a question of, it's, it's a semantics thing, but are they alive? Absolutely, because this team is not going away before game six in any series. Like yeah. They're going to be alive because they're going to be in it with a chance to win the series in game six or force a game seven where anything goes. In any series, Like I'll be shocked, barring something strange, if it goes before that, so you're alive. Are they a team you should bet on or a favorite? Um, that's not necessarily the same thing. I want to talk about but, the Nets just for a second. Well, hang because, on, I, want, I just want to mention they're okay. plus 950 at DraftKings. Like that's kind of thing. And you've, you've kind of mentioned this yeah. is, is I've hyped the heat who are plus 450. Do I think the difference between the heat at plus 450 and the, and the Celtics at plus 950 is that, is that gap representative? No, I do not. So I think, yeah. I, I think right now, if you're betting, there's better value on the Celtics. Um, let's talk about the, the Nets who, you know, get KD back and then, and they have Kyrie and yet they lose. What's your takeaway there? First of all, Durant is absurd. Durant is a machine. He's gone for how long, comes back and scores 31 on 21 shots, then 37 on 21 shots, eight assists. And it's absurd. Like he's 29.5 points per game. I looked it up. He can't win the scoring title because he's going to fall three games short if he plays everything the rest of the way. Or else he would. He would win the scoring title at this age, on this wonky team, with the injuries because Kevin Durant is awesome, but it worries me that he can be that good against two very good teams, Miami and Boston. And, and it just didn't matter. Like they, they still lost and the nets right now. So ESPN stats nets are 32 and 33, no sub 500 team, 65 games or more through the season has won the finals. That's, that's not great. The nets have lost 17 out of 20. And I know there's lots of reasons for that. No team in history has lost 17 of 20 and even made the finals. And we still have the Nets as effectively co-favorites at several books or yeah. close to it. We're looking right now, more and more, it looks like Toronto's the seventh seed into the play-in. That's Canada. Kyrie probably can't play that game, even though it's on the road. We don't know yet if he'll be able to play a home game. So you might have to play two playing games without Kyrie and then play the one seed Miami possibly, and then beat two of Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, just to get to the finals. And by the way, Katie has to stay healthy for all that, which knock on wood, we, we hope he does. It's we're asking a lot from the team at this point. And I'm certainly not out on the nets as a concept, but the concept is too conceptual at this point. And I, I don't know, how, how could you in good conscience tell someone to bet on the nets at this point? Yeah. It's, it's such a long path right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I would not, I haven't wanted to do it all year. Yeah. Um, 
by the way, with the standings where they're at right now, they host the Hawks at home with no Kyrie. That's their 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 single elimination first round matchup in the play-in tournament. Hawks, a, a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals last year with the, essentially the same roster, who are six and four in their last ten, they would be hosting them without Kyrie to save the season and get another game that also is a must-win to get to the eight seed to face yeah. Miami. That's the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm just going to put this out there. The Nets have 33 losses. The Wizards have 34. I, I'm just telling you the math. Like, it's, I, do, I, do I keep expecting them to go on a run? Yes, I do. Like, they're not going to face the Celtics every night. But, yeah, yeah the, the Nets are in no bet right now for a number of reasons. If you have to pay a price on them later, if they look awesome, well, we'll let's cross that, that bridge when we get there instead of trying to – I don't want to bet this team low. This is not a team I think is undervalued by the market. I think it's still overvalued by the market. Elsewhere, Milwaukee Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns in a finals rematch, but of course, no Chris Paul and no Devin Booker. And the Suns led for the majority of that game before the Bucks staged a late comeback. Chris Milton went wild in the fourth quarter, and the Bucks wound up covering. Congrats to them. Rough beat for Suns betters in that game. My big takeaway here, Brandon, I do think it's not a good win because you trailed the entire game versus the Suns without CP3 and Booker after they trounced you a couple of weeks ago at their house. Um, I'm a little concerned about Milwaukee's lack of wings. I'll, I'll say this. They traded Dante DiVincenzo and Rodney Hood. They got Serge Ibaka. I look at this roster and I can't believe it's wild because they used to have all of these these long guys. But now I'm really at the point where I am a little bit concerned about when you need lots of wings and lots of options. You know, this used to be a team that played too many guys and they got a really good game yesterday from Jordan Awara and Serge Ibaka, which those two guys have been rough for a while. Nawara was five of 10 and Ibaka was six of 10. Again, you know, a more shorthanded on the wing Suns team, which is rare, but it took 44 and then drew 24. I've been riding the, the Bucks. I still like the Bucks in most of the Eastern Conference matchups. I will tell you, I'm kind of stopping the line at the Bucks for the title because I am worried a lot about what they're going to do when they face some of these Western Conference teams. They're just another one of these teams where, like, they're the one team that we've kind of made the excuses for all year because, while well, we don't know what the Sixers are or what the Nets are. Or are they healthy? We know what the Bucks are, we think. We know because they won the title and they brought the team back. But I think what you're saying, though, what we're seeing they didn't bring the team back. They brought the core three back, but the rest of the team around that three has not lived up this year. You know, Brooke Lopez is out. So obviously that's part of it. And hopefully he's back. It's worrisome that their big men that they're relying on is the guy who's coming off of a back injury, Serge Baca, and the guy who's coming off of a back injury, Brooke Lopez. Uh, and they're going to have to face Embiid probably. So that's worrisome. Grayson Allen I don't trust him. <laughs> like I just it is Grayson, I think has to be in their closing five right now. Right. I don't know who it's Grayson or Wes Matthews. Like they missed Wes Matthews yesterday. And I think that is a pretty telling statement at this point. So I don't want to make too much of the game. You talk a lot about, you know, the letdown effect of, well, there's no CP, no Booker, So like last time, the Suns had everything to, to win in the first meeting because it's the finals rematch and, right. you know, they want the big win. I don't feel like Milwaukee is came into yesterday being like, revenge, we got to do it while Chris and Devin watching the sidelines. Like, I think it was just kind of like, uh, yeah, we'll we'll take care of it when we need to sort of spot. So I don't want to read too much into that, but I don't know. I, 
I'm starting to wonder a little bit, and I've wondered throughout the year, are we sure that last year's run really changed everything for this team? Like I, we've talked about the, the mental aspect and getting over the hump with it, but there were so many breaks that this team caught and that doesn't take anything away from the run that they had. But the questions that we had going into last year, I don't know that they really definitively answered them other than just Giannis did the Giannis thing. Giannis answered them when he had to, and maybe that's good enough. But I just, I don't know. I, the, I, I'm left feeling a little cold on the team. They're still, I think, going to struggle more than you expect. Like, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what the matchups are and where the lines come out. Like, my inclination is to basically say there's going to be value on any series where they're favored going longer than expected and any series where they're the dog betting on them to win. Like, that's kind of where I'm at with Milwaukee is like, I think they're going to win. I think they're going to make it painful. Like, they never... Betting on the Bucs is never fun. You're never like, whew, yeah, easy cover. No problem there. That was comfortable. Never in doubt. You're always just like, oh, Jesus Christ, this team's going to kill me every single time, right? Yeah. But I do think they have enough. I think they have the best combination, and they do have Giannis, who honestly is the, the most slept-on guy in the MVP conversation. Speaking of, last night I was at Ball Arena as Nikola Jokic entered the fourth quarter with, I believe, 16 points and finished the game with 46 points. He scored 46 points with a triple-double along with three steals and four blocks in the game, including a late one, as the Nuggets rallied from 10 down with 359 remaining to get a win over what has been one of the better teams in the league in the New Orleans Pelicans over the last month and a half in a signature win. Before the game, I really felt like Joel Embiid had separated himself from the MVP conversation. Jokic had had several games where he was kind of uninspired and just kind of going through the motions. And I felt like maybe the MVP race was getting away. I hate to make too much out of one game. I never try and make too much out of one game, Brandon, but given the audience and how many national members with votes were commenting on that game, I do feel Jokic reasserted himself very firmly back into the MVP conversation. I felt more and more, we've talked about it, that whoever wins that March 14th matchup is going to be the one that winds up winning it. We're expecting Embiid to have a big game in that performance and win. And I think Embiid should still be favored to win. I will say that after last night, I am convinced more than ever that Nikola Jokic is the most valuable player in the league. Yeah, I'm with you. We, we, we've been there this this whole year that he he should be the guy that's getting the votes. Like, you know, you, you talked on Twitter today about just – Points, rebounds, assists, no fancy numbers, just just the numbers that we all know. He's winning all of them. The wins, the whole argument all season, a YM beat is better, supposedly, is because the Sixers are better. They're one win ahead right now, even though Jamal Murray and, and MPJ have basically been out the entire season. The, what about the, the defense argument? The Sixers are ninth, the Nuggets are 11th, and there's pretty clearly a lot more defensive talent on one of the rosters. So it's just like, what's the argument here? I don't know. We know all the advanced metrics. Jokic scored 46 on 22 shots yesterday. Like that's, that's more than two points per shot. The Nuggets had 150 offensive rating with him on the court, and he was plus 22 in an eight-point win against, yeah, a very good defense. The Pelicans' defense have been top five over the last month, especially interior, the way that they're defending. Uh, I saw today, too, uh, Vorp on basketball reference, which is supposed to show value over replacement. It's supposed to be cumulative effect. Jokic is at 7.5, leads the league in that number. And beat is at 4.9. That's third in the NBA. 
And Nikola Jokic has more than 50% more value added to his team than Joel Embiid right now. So I agree. It should be him. I think the books agree with you also, though, that yesterday truly changed the picture. Last week at books, Jokic was about plus 350, plus 400 most places. And it was creeping up as the week went on. Uh, I know because he was the one guy that I didn't have a position on yet of these top guys. And I finally jumped in and grabbed a little bit just to kind of give, you know, round out the portfolio, as you say. Now, overnight after that game, he's basically around plus 175, plus 220, somewhere in that range. So the odds have cut in half just from that game. He was that good. And this race is that close. So I agree. I think it's open. Here's the other angle, too. Neither one of us is going to bet this, I don't think. But if you don't think it's open, if you think Embiid has this, you just got a new window that you shouldn't have gotten. And now you can bet him. He's minus 110, minus 125. We talked about, you know, betting these awards. You can, you can add in right now at FanDuel. You can bet him at minus 110, add in John Morant and Evan Mobley to win their awards. You can get Joel Embiid at plus 150 right now for a guy that was like minus 300 last week. If you were convinced that he's going to get this, this is a pretty good window for you. Yeah, it really is. I just, I keep coming back to, I think that March 14th matchup is going to be so big. It's going to be in Philly. Right. Crazy crowd. Um, I don't expect it's seven days from now. Michael Porter Jr. will not be back. Jamal Murray will not be back. So it's the same Nuggets team. They're going to be probably a six and a half to seven point dog, maybe less, maybe four and a half, five based off of off of the value. Um, I haven't looked at what I've got projected at, but that's what I would expect. And Embiid should drop 40 and win the game. And that will probably speak as much to anything. I still think that that outcome is going to sway voters quite a bit there's just a big chunk of voters i'll say this i I talk a lot about the evolving makeup of the voters this is this one i really do think it's going to be close i've written about how usually 95 like uh over 93 percent of the available possible votes the most votes you can get like the share percentage that's been the average since the media took over in 1980 okay so we have this long history of one guy getting all of these amounts even westbrook even Westbrook got a, got a, that similar 88% or plus or higher. I forget what the exact number was percentage of votes. I don't know that's going to happen this year. Like this may literally come down to second and third place votes. Like this one is razor thin because there are like, just, I don't mean to make this reductive. I get how it sounds, especially for a guy that lives in Denver and covers the nuggets. Like I get it, but like I take this very seriously and try and be as unbiased as possible. And if MB was clearly better, I would say so. I'll just say this, like the people that pay the most attention to the league and dive into it every single day, they're all leaning Jokic. Yeah. And then if you have like big national people that are doing television every day, they're all leaning Embiid. And where you fall in in terms of if you want to say like, well, I don't care about your nerd talk with the numbers. Okay, fine. That's that's fine. Um, I don't understand it really, but that's fine. If you're trying to figure out how to bet this, I think you just got to bet both of them, like parlay them with with Evan Mobley to win rookie of the year. I'd probably throw in Jada win uh, most improved, throw in Tyler Hero if it, if it lets you to win six man, get the numbers up and bet them both. Because I think that there's value like right now. I think it's crazy because when I look at Giannis, Giannis is so close to Embiid's numbers. He's so frigging close. He has he has better numbers than Embiid in a lot of categories. That's what's crazy. Um, and he's only one back in the loss column. 
Like the Bucs have one more win and are one back in the loss column. They're one game back. I don't know what to do with the narrative here. Like this is a really fascinating evidence for everyone that says the MVP is a narrative award. If the result comes out that Embiid wins, it's going to be because it really isn't a narrative award. This is a fascinating like proof of concept for how much is it still narrative versus how much is it has it shifted? A couple of things too, just to respond quickly. I think so. You've talked a lot about the game coming up, the head-to-head matchup. I actually think that that sets up well for Jokic because wouldn't you rather be like? There are no expectations. It's just you and your guys against the team that's supposed to be the East favorite now. Like there's a much better Jokic keeps them close. And it comes down to the wire. What a monster game he had, but Harden and Embiid both were just too good, but man, Jokic got him right there or got the win. Like there's a lot more upside for a Jokic MVP performance that night. But Embiid has everything to lose in that game as an MVP. You lose that game to Jokic head to head with Harden, you lost the MVP, I think. So I think Jokic is more to gain in that game, which is interesting. The other thing too, is I I do wonder if James Harden could negatively impact Embiid's chances. Not, he's not going to take votes away. We saw last year when he showed up, how good he was with Durant. He he didn't get the votes because he got hurt in part, but it, it slowed the momentum of the Durant MVP thing. Harden's numbers have been absurd in Philly's 27, seven and a half and 12. He's shooting 80% true shooting from four games. His advanced metrics, his profile is he's been the better player since these four games, since he's arrived. And I do wonder if there could be a little momentum of like, man, James is so good. How can, how can we make and be the MVP if he's not necessarily the best player on his team, the way James is playing I could see that come into play. So I do think there are ways to, to like Jokic's chances here. I like Jokic's chances, but I, I, I can't get there just because I think we're too many games through. Um, finally, over the weekend, the Grizzlies took a loss of the Houston Rockets on Sunday. That was after a loss of the Wolves a few days ago. The Golden State Warriors swoon continues as they lose the Los Angeles Lakers in the Saturday night primetime game, which leads us to the big picture. Let's talk about teams that are actually going places. And I'm going to start, honestly, I'm going to start with a team that we don't talk about enough because we feel like we know how the movie's going to end in the postseason. And that's the Utah Jazz. Should we believe that the Jazz will be any different? Big picture this week is about the West two through six seeds as all of a sudden, the Utah Jazz. Brandon, we're back here. The Utah Jazz are two games back of the Golden State Warriors in the loss column. They are one back of the of the Memphis Grizzlies. As of right now, it is officially up in the air who's going to finish two, three, four. The Dallas Mavericks are two games behind Utah going into Monday night's matchup. That'll have already happened, so you'll know the result going into tonight. If the Jazz lose, they're all of a sudden three back of the Warriors, and the, and the Mavericks are only one game back of the four seed. But just let me ask you this. Are the Jazz really going to make a run to the two seed? And are, are we going to start looking? Because, because for, let's start here. Why is the two seed so important? Yeah. So here's why the two seed is a big deal. We talked about this last week. Number one, you get to face the seven seed in the first round. The playoffs are very weirdly imbalanced by the seeding. It looks by all accounts right now that that will be the Timberwolves and Clippers at seven and eight in whatever order. One of those teams wins and becomes the seventh seed. There's not a way right now for the Lakers to jump up and get into the seventh seed. They can get into the playoffs, but they can get in as the eighth seed where they're at right now. So 
that has to be the best first round matchup in the West. Hopefully, you know, who knows if suddenly PG and Kawhi are out there, all bets are off. But otherwise, that's the spot you want in the first round. And then with the way the Warriors are swooning, you might get a bracket that's super imbalanced where you've got the Suns as the one seed. You've got the Warriors now healthy with Draymond, but they drop to the four seed. So they're in the Phoenix half of the bracket. You got the Lakers who snuck in and Anthony Davis is ready, but they're the eight seed. So you have the three teams that should be the West favorites all in half of the bracket. And all of a sudden now what's the other half? Still not easy, but it's that two seed with home court advantage to the Western finals. And it's the Jazz or the Grizzlies. Those are your options. And and you're going against the Nuggets who may or may not have their guys back. We don't know. And against the Mavericks who are a one-man team. And against the Grizzlies who are a young team. The Jazz are not those things. Are getting healthy. Have been great with their three stars on the court. They're with their three guys. They're 29 and 12 this year. They're 59 and 24 over the last two seasons with all three guys out there. They're a 60 win team. They were last year. Last year, they were top three, top four offense and defense. This year, they're number one in offense. I still maintain last year that I think we're making too much of the Jazz playoff failures over the years. Last year was a failure, but last year their guys got hurt. So did the team they faced, and the guys made the shots, I know. But it's one series. It's not like we have three years of this version of the Jazz team failing. We have one year, and their guys were hurt. The previous years was a different version of this team. Why was 2020 different? They were nowhere near this good. They had not made the leap offensively to what this team is. That the pre before last year, the Jazz were Rudy play defense and let's hope to God we get enough offense. That's why they went out and got Conley. There's been a different team with Conley and with Mitchell making the leap that he has the last couple of years. So I, I've been in early and then back out. I'm not necessarily back in, but the the two seed path, it's it's really important. And this could break in a way that's very favorable for someone there. Utah was 10th in adjusted offense in 2020. There's a big difference from 10th to first, though. Sure, sure. They're very good versus <laughs> bad teams. That's- Obviously, the Jazz don't want to face the Suns. We know that. We've talked about that. Who are the other teams, the Jazz? If you're, if, if you're Utah and Denver. you get to make the bracket, what's ask your bracket Jazz, look ask, like? Ask Jazz fans. They don't want any part of Denver. Hmm. They just don't. Because the biggest problem is, is if your entire strength is Gobert, and there is a player at his position that makes him irrelevant because he's the best like overall player at that position. It hurts, right? Gobert played amazing on Jokic for that entire series. And then Jokic basically hit the game, the series winner on him. Like it just, it eradicates him. Um, I want to know how this Dallas game goes tonight. I think it's really, it's really curious because you know, the jazz are up 2-0. In theory, this should be like, and the the Mavericks led for the majority of that game the last time out. This is a really interesting one. It's a question of, okay, if the Mavs, like the Mavs have gone five out, if you, if they don't get to, this is what's really interesting about them is if they honestly, I think it's them getting the two seed means they probably won't fade. They, it means they definitely, no, not absolutely. It's possible that the Mavericks slide back to six. It lessens the chance of them facing Dallas. Luca and five out to me is like a death sentence for the jazz. Like, I don't know how they do it. The big problem here is going to be the same thing as always. If they face any team that can go small, 
which most of these teams can, except for Denver, which has advantages when they go big. Rudy Gobert can't score in the small. Can't do it. Cannot do it. They don't trust him. They will not trust but, him. But uh, the last time they played the Mavs, Rudy Gobert, Luca kept yeah. isoing on Rudy and he yeah, shut defense, him down. Yeah, the offense was a problem last time. The question that you have then is, um, are they going to keep attacking that matchup? Sure. Or are they going to space Rudy to the corner and go after Mike Conley or Donovan? Yeah, anyone else. Or I, anyone else. I and do like Daniel House. He, like I, I realize that's a very small point, but he's been a nice pickup for them. So to be able to put House out there and Royce O'Neal, like last year's problem was especially the perimeter defense. So having an extra guy that can really defend the perimeter, I think that does matter. I, I want to try an angle here that's very similar to one you did a couple of podcasts ago. You bet on the Southwest. Yeah, the Southwest division to win the West. What about the Northwest? Because basically yeah. you got Utah and Denver and we're looking at the way the bracket is looking. You might get a second round matchup, Utah versus Denver, where one of your teams is guaranteed then to be in the Western finals, plus 400 to win the West, plus 1100 to win the finals. Now, I don't know that I really trust Utah or Denver to be the champion. I think they could, but you're going to be an underdog, at least in the finals, maybe in the Western finals. But it's a pretty good hedge opportunity, if nothing else. And the way the bracket is breaking, and if you are like me, I don't totally trust the Mavs as a one-man team or the young Grizzlies, partly because I, I, I kind of like the Jazz. They've been very good, and I, and I quite like Denver if their guys are healthy. I don't mind betting the Northwest division as a way to bet on Utah and Denver together. I have a better idea. Just bet Denver. Just <laughs> bet Denver and don't mess with Utah because here's the other thing. Utah will have these wins and then they have like, they barely got past the Rockets the other night and they barely get past all these teams. And they like, they, they were scrapping with OKC. I, I do not think that the numbers reflect this team. I just don't. And I think that they're always on the verge of a chemical implosion and i think um there's just like a lot of concerns there overall uh let's talk about real quickly if the warriors fall to four they have to go through probably matt dallas and then the suns that's like a nightmare scenario for the mavericks or for the warriors yes absolutely It's, it's a nightmare for everyone involved at that point it's a nightmare scenario for the suns Congratulations, Phoenix. Great season. You get the Lakers in round one and the Warriors in round two. Like it, if the Warriors fall to the four seed, that has to nerf the odds for all the teams in that side of the bracket. It just has to, because they have to play each other now. So it's not great for either side. By the way, Warriors, you can bet the under 53 and a half wins at DraftKings right now. They're 43 and 21. So they have to go 11 and seven to hit that over. I don't think the Warriors are finishing 11 and seven. They have a tough schedule this week. They've got four games. They could lose all of them right now. They still have a Phoenix, Memphis, Phoenix, Utah, three games in a row at the end of the month. They finish against the Lakers, Spurs, Pelicans, all of whom might be pushing hard to make a play in. It's going to be tough. I don't think they're going 11 and seven. I like that under. Draymond's traveling. He's close. And like, I just think that he just fundamentally changes everything. I just think that they go back. I, I do think that they, they kind of go back to being a force once Draymond gets back. Like, I do too, but Nuggets, Clippers, Nuggets, Bucks this week. I don't think Draymond's playing this week. That's well, that, that's well they're tanking games. the Nuggets game. Like they're losing yeah. one of those. So right. they're, yeah, they're, they, they will, they need to go 11 and seven. They will need to go 11 and six by the time you listen to this. Cause they're losing to the Nuggets tonight. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe we'll see if crazy things yeah. happen. With, with, <laughs> That's with true. Um, okay. If Memphis gets the two seed, is there value on Memphis to win the West? I, I think whoever has the two seed, if, if the Warriors fall to the four, I will have to look at somebody in that half of the bracket. And if the, if the Grizzlies are the two seed, the Grizzlies have been very good. Their metrics have held up all year. I haven't quite got there. I know Raheem has been big on the Grizzlies this year. I would have to really consider them the same way that I, I said like a month ago, I think I'm out on the jazz, but they're looking good. And the path, it's the path. You, you have to play, you have to play, you know, the, the player, not the cards. But I'll and say this, like, just pay real close attention. It's not, it's not, are you playing worse teams or whatever? It's to me, it's, are you facing? Sure. The matchups. Yeah. It's the matchups. And I, I just don't know what's a good matchup for, for, the jazz outside of the wolves. What? Okay. What if about the Clippers, if the Clippers win the play in tournament and it's the Clippers without Kawhi and PG, <laughs> are you sure that they're dead? No, no, but I, but I, but I like the matchup. I, I would rather take Utah. I'm not picking the Clippers to win the series. So I make might the case, make the case for the Grizzlies. What's, what's your ideal Grizzlies bracket. If you're Memphis, you get the two seed. How's it play out? They actually struggle versus uh, Minnesota, which is what's interesting. It's they get the two seed. Yeah. The, Clippers, the Clippers win the seven, the 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 play in tournament. So it's Clippers Grizzlies. They win that one. The Warriors fall to the three. They get bounced by the Nuggets in the three six. The Grizzlies get the Nuggets, who they've beaten this season. They get past Denver, and that's how they make the conference finals. I have zero idea how they be a Phoenix team or whoever comes out of that bracket. I have zero. Like if it's if it's I'll put it this way: if it's Phoenix, Utah, the way it's set up right now, the Grizzlies are not winning the Western Conference because they cannot beat whoever comes out of that bracket. Like, I guess maybe theoretically, well, no, even then, like their record versus Suns, they beat the Suns, but they're very, they're, but they're going to be massive dogs for a reason in that matchup. They struggle with both Utah and Dallas. Those are two teams that Memphis struggles with. They, they need to make sure it's better for them if they're in the 2 3, because that means that they have to go through one of those two teams. But I just don't know how they get past them in the conference finals. I think the Grizzlies can make the conference finals. I don't know how they how they beat the beat the win the conference final. So for me, the way to bet Memphis is to wait. If it's the two seed, just start betting them like you can hedge it. But even then, yeah. you're going to be hedging versus a big minus. Yeah, you want to just bet the series, maybe. Yeah, just bet the series. Um, uh, real quick, back to the future. Back to the future. This is where we talk about one future that we've got for this week. I don't have one because I'm still trying to sort out MVP and I'm trying to sort out like this and everything's too damn close. I don't, I can't figure out who's going to do whatever. Uh, so I'll ask you, what's your future for this week? So just two quick ones to hit you with. Evan Mobley is minus 350 at BetMGM to win rookie of the year. I don't play a lot of minus 350s, but play, play minus 350. Evan Mobley is the rookie of the year. So you can bet. What state to win the championship? Ooh. I don't want to bet either. The state options are California, New York, Florida, and Texas. Those are big states that have multiple teams. I'm betting the field because here's basically what that is. I, I don't get the Warriors. I don't get the Nets. I don't want the Nets, and I don't want the Warriors until I see Draymond look like Draymond again. I don't get the Heat. It's tough. I'd like to get them, but I don't get them. I don't get the Mavs. And then, you know, I don't get all the playing teams, which includes both LA teams, the Knicks, you know, like I, that's it though. It's, it's a way to fade Warriors, Nets, Heat, Mavericks, or one of the random playing teams suddenly getting healthy and hot. I get everyone else. 
and it's minus 145 at DraftKings. I, I, I like the everyone else idea. The way that this season is shaping up, everyone else feels pretty good. I, I like a lot of options rather than four options. Minus 145, I think that's about, I need about a 60% chance to get that one. I like my 60% versus those four teams, basically. What do you think? I like it. Um, I think, you know, being able to get this differential, if you're able to get like Phoenix and Denver is, and Milwaukee's not in that, like you get the box. Milwaukee's in uh, in field. Yeah. Getting Phoenix, Denver box is really good. I like, Uh, I I think that there's a good chance. You get Utah, you get Memphis, you get all, all, you get all the small market teams. It's it's a drawback that you have to put Utah on there. If you could do like that (laughs) team, like minus Utah, I would get it. No, Uh, we'll see how this all shakes out. We'll be back on Friday with another episode of the big picture on Tuesday at seven o'clock Eastern on YouTube. You can catch the workshop with me and Raheem Palmer breaking down the Wednesday slate. And on Wednesday at 7 o'clock Eastern, it's me, Raheem Palmer, and Joe Delera breaking down the Thursday slate. So we've got two workshops for you and then the big picture on Friday. Enjoy your week. Let's get bucket.